Good morning. Breakfast with the broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, listen, something happened last night that got me a little, little crazy. Um, yes, roll tide roll. I'm a big uh, Alabama fan for those that you don't don't know. Um, I was at the game and it was really uh, amazing and um, uh, quite a display of offense and uh, um, very, very cool. So listen, we have a really, a really exciting guest that I want to get to. And now, by way of Orlando, Florida, he is the publisher of Orlando Real Producers. He's the owner at Orlando Branding. He's a speaker, a learner, and a connector. And of course, he loves knives. He is Aaron Luden. What's up? What's up, man? That was my favorite intro I've ever gotten, I think. I, got, I think I'm going to rewrite my bio right now. <laughs> like scratch cool. he loves knives That's, uh, <laughs> i like it it's like makes you kind of wonder where is he gonna go with this thing <laughs> i'd be scared of him <laughs> well you know what uh, we're all a little scared of you but um aaron <laughs> listen uh, you know obviously most of you um out there you know who know aaron you know, we were talking about closing gifts and, and things of that nature that you were doing, um, you know, but you, you're just a phenomenal speaker and engaging, um, you know, personality. And tell us a little bit about what you learned in 2020. You know, 2020 is a very interesting year. Um, so aside from what everyone dealt with, I had a traumatic brain injury at the end of January. I fell down a staircase. I don't actually know how. I was asleep. I went to sleep in bed and woke up 16 days later in a hospital with a brain injury and a broken wrist. And so I spent 21 days in the ICU and got home about two weeks before quarantine started. And so it's been, a, as you can imagine, a very interesting week because I double quarantined. Um, obviously, like the brain injury, then the pandemic. But well, the biggest thing that I took from it was a few things. Number one is you have to always be prepared. There are a lot of people that that got the advice of, well, I could have never prepared for this. This could have, you know, we could have never had anything. We could have never been ready. Like who could have been ready for this? And the truth is you could have been ready. You could have been fitter. You could have had more money saved. You could have had your business more solid. There's a lot of things we all could have done. We might not have been able to predict the pandemic, but we could have been prepared for the worst that could happen. And so if you didn't learn this last year. The biggest lesson I got from it is to make sure you are prepared for massive shifts in your industry, in your community, in your lifestyle, and to be adaptable enough to be ready to pivot. So like you may have to take your entire business onto the internet. You may have to take your entire business off of the internet. You may have to take your whole business. You know what I'm saying? Like there's different situations and we just have to be ready to make moves quickly as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, as an agent. And when you're in the business of servicing people, the way they want to receive the service could change very quickly. And the question is whether you're stubborn enough to try to make them go back to your old way or whether you're like, all right, this is the new world. You mean you got to make adjustments in your business? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think everyone was willing to do it right away. I think a lot of people waited hoping it was temporary. No, good. And, and and what does that preparation look like? Because, you know, some people say, all right, we got to be prepared for any opportunity that arises. But, you know, some people don't know the steps to take in order to be prepared. Do you need to know your business? What, what does that look like? Um, are systems in place? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the preparation. So, so a few things. Let's, let's talk about the mental and let's talk about the physical. 
So like mentally, you've got to be ready to like you have to be adaptable. That's the best thing. Like I spoke about this actually just about a year ago. We did an event and we were talking about this idea of being what we call unstoppable, which basically doesn't mean that you're not going to be challenged. You're not going to be broken. You're not going to. It just means you're not willing to quit and not willing to be stopped. And so I think it's like partially a mindset shift that we've got to shift to saying like, look, I'll be honest, like I have no clue what 2021 has in store, but if it's anything like the first few days or the last 365, it's going to be, excuse my language, but it's going to be batshit crazy. And so I'm ready. I am might not be prepared for each individual thing, but I know that mentally I am ready to win. Like I am ready for whatever comes our way. I am going to stay resilient, stay committed, dig my heels in and figure out what needs to happen at the at, at not just the same rate as everyone else i'm going to try to do it faster than everyone else around me and again that doesn't mean like that everything's always prepared for everything's perfect it's sunshine and rainbows it just means like i have a level of confidence in my own resilience you should too after making it through last year you should learn about yourself like you should have learned something about yourself that can empower you for 2021 and so i learned that it takes a lot to literally knock me down <laughs> and to keep me down it takes even more to keep uh, me down and so i'm prepared for 2021 to go ahead and try uh knock on wood i hope it doesn't but, yeah, uh, you know i mean i don't know if that was a, a bad choice of words the whole <laughs> knockdown thing but uh or, or if that was an intentional thing but uh, <laughs> i'm glad you are uh you are much better now and um uh, take us into you know you um, are owner and publisher of uh, orlando real producers and you know Tell us, you know, about how you got started and what is it? So Real Producers started a little over five years ago, probably closer to six these days. And my counterpart uh, with Cutco Closing Gifts, Remington Ramsey in Indianapolis, him and I were having a lot of conversations about how often we would build a relationship with a brokerage, but never meet the top agent. So like I might have a great uh, relationship with you. I may drive down to Boca once in a while, but if it's the wrong Tuesday or the wrong Wednesday, your number one, two, and three might not show up for my bagels and donuts. And it might take me five more years to actually meet the person who can make a difference in my business. Does that make sense? And so we found between that and realizing that there were, uh, and I want to be careful how I say this, there were a lot of organizations and I won't name any of them. I'm sure you can imagine some that saw vendors as blank checks that saw vendors as uh, like lucky to be a part of it. Like that Solace is just like, we're gonna charge you whatever we want, whenever we want for access to our agents. We don't care if they're good agents, bad agents, if they sell, if they don't sell, if you have a good opportunity, a bad opportunity, doesn't matter, someone else will pay us. And if it's not you, we're gonna get them. That's how a lot of people were treating us. And so we came up with this concept of launching a community that brought together the top 500 agents in a market, brought together the vendors, and that the people in charge wouldn't have politics political affiliations, uh, brokerage affiliations, any ulterior motives in bringing everyone together. And because of it, we can reach across all party lines, if you will, or all brokerage lines, because there's no agenda other than bringing people together. And so um, it launched in Indianapolis. It was called Indie Top Producer. It blew up 12 months in. It basically was a magazine. It started with a magazine for the top 500 agents and then private events for those agents to bring them together in person. The magazine's really just a tool to drive the community like in reality. And so we do social, digital, and print now. We have the magazine, we do live events, both social events that are private and educational events that are monthly and open to all agents to kind of bridge the gap into our top 500. And then we do, uh, we have a private Facebook community for the top 500 agents 
of the last, I guess it's four years, about to be five. Um, so, so Real Producers has now grown from a magazine in Indianapolis that was called Indie Top Producer to uh, we launched Orlando Real Producers four years ago. And we're now in 100 plus markets across the country. I want to say there's like 116 that are either in ramp up or in print. And so it's blown up. And um, really all it's about is celebrating the top producing agents of the market and helping to build real relationships by using uh, social, digital, and print to actually connect people, to meet people, to tell their stories, and um, really to drive attendance to events so they can be in person or I get so, virtual. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the producers, because, you know, they're going around and, and I see them, you know, I, th I think I saw in Atlanta and, 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 and I even met with someone uh, down here that was looking to do in Palm Beach. You know, what's the um, next step for real producers? Because quite honestly, the show, um, Breakfast with the Broker, is designed very similarly uh, to what your uh, objectives are. You know, it's to uh, perpetuate that professionalism and collaboration within the industry, not just through the affiliate level, but also through the agent level um, and brokers. And, you know, I always had this whole, you know, you know, maybe it's a crazy idea, you know, but, you know, I listen, there's so much competition out there. I have no problem helping everyone being transparent, making sure that, um, you know, you are, as an agent and or broker are taken care of. And that's the same kind of thing, a uh, concept that you have with uh, real producers. And how, do you, how, do, how else do you get involved in real producers? Uh, so honestly, it's a private group. So so I don't know about I can't speak to every single franchise because they all run slightly different. But like here, you know, we pull the list every year, every January. So like we're finalizing our list right now. And the top 500, based off of our numbers, will get an invite. They'll get an email. They'll get a text. Like, they'll hear from us. And um, they can't apply. They can't buy their way in. They can't buy their way on the cover. It's a completely uh, nomination and results-based community. And um, But the best way to get involved, especially if you're in a market where it's, like, ramping up, like in Palm Beach, is to meet with that person that's running it, meet with the franchise owner, and just tee them up with who you can. Uh, maybe it's telling them your story. Maybe it's sending them some of your event, like helping them get the thing kickstarted because what it does in the community can be phenomenal when run properly. You know, I've seen it in a whole bunch of markets. I happen to have benefited because I came from the Orlando real estate community already. Um, but there's a lot of markets where the people came from another state, moved, you know, launched the real producers and they're doing amazing things. I think of like my friend Jordan Espazeth runs three now around Dallas and he's from Minnesota. You know, um, so it really is just about like getting the people on board and then just like really just engagement and enthusiasm. I would say that's the best way to help is just be engaged and enthusiastic and they'll deliver, you know, they'll consistently use the platform to uh, to bring people together. Awesome. Um, let's talk about marketing. So, you know, agents, uh, you know, I think the biggest mistake that agents make are that they're not consistent enough with their marketing. You know, what marketing ideas do you give, you know, 2021? Are there anything that you see coming up that uh, is a trend or, you know, even if it's a, you know, direct mail, or the old way or the fundamentals um, of, of real estate? Um, what do you see in marketing in 2021? So, so the biggest thing is that most they don't realize echoing here. Let me see if I can fix that. So basically what most agents don't really realize is the statistics behind their marketing, meaning the average person 
moves about every eight years. The average person knows at least a thousand people by name they say today, but it used to be 300. Like, so let's use the number 300. That's like a 20 year old study, right? The average person knows it's 2021. That's probably a 30 year old study. Uh, <laughs> the average person knows 300 people by name. 8% of that is what? That's 24. That means the, and by the way, anyone that didn't know what 8% was, they usually know about what 6% is, right? Right. Um, <laughs> So 8% of 300 is 24. That means that any person at any given moment should have 24 people in their sphere looking to buy or sell. And if you know a thousand people by name, for those of you that are on Facebook that have thousands of friends, you probably are closer to 48 or 72 people in your sphere. And so like the biggest thing that I would say is just realizing the sheer numbers behind building a significant network and then having them in a database that communicates with them. I know most agents watching this probably already get that, but they don't really get the sheer volume of numbers that if they were doing it right, there'd be 50 or 60 deals already, you know? Um, and so there's usually more opportunity for the people that either don't have a database or worse, that have a database, but they haven't really touched it in a really long time. They've got some automated system. They're sending the same email someone else wrote. They copied and pasted the same thing from the same database that every agent is sending. Like they're doing the very bare minimum and they're wondering why the numbers aren't there in the relationship, but they're not really, they're basically trying to streamline and robot and make the relationship robotic, but scale it. And I think that scaling relationships is always a formula for failure, if, you, if it makes sense. Trying to scale your relationships is always a formula for failure. Trying to actually find ways to scale your reach and your bandwidth for relationships is the formula for success. And so I would say that when it comes to their marketing, number one, they've got to make sure they're staying in front of the people that know, like, and trust them. And the second part about it, uh, especially for 2021, you're probably not getting in front of your people as often. Those of you that do client appreciation parties or do events might not be gathering so often right now, or maybe it's not the best idea. This is an even smarter time to deliver gifts and experiences to your people. Um, a lot of our top clients, I usually tell them don't give Christmas gifts. It's a terrible time of the year to give your gifts because everyone's giving gifts. We usually tell them to time it for the start of the year. But this year, in lieu of holiday parties, a lot of our clients went out and they sent something really nice and personalized to their top people. So I would say that the biggest thing is just reaching out and making sure you really connect with people, ideally with something they pick up, see, use, and is in the home where they might be stuck for the next year, maybe even the next four. Uh, I'm joking, by the way. That's a total joke. Um, <laughs> bad, bad joke. Really bad, bad joke. joke. <laughs> joke. Uh, I'm libertarian, so that's not, a, you know, that's not a political statement. It's just a joke. But like, we don't know how long they'll be at home, and um, you should be looking at things that are useful in the home, seen, picked up, and used, especially when they're not going to run into you and you're not going to be relevant in person as often. Those would be the two tips I'd say. And, and you know what? I mean, it goes back to you know what you said earlier in preparation, right? So you got to be prepared um, to stay and, you know, not that we're we're saying that this is going to happen, but you have to be prepared of what's coming because you know our new normal um, might be something similar to what we're looking at right now, um, and, and certainly we are um, you know not that fast to change. So a lot of times you know we become adaptable, but adapt adaptation sometimes takes a little way. Absolutely. Yeah. So um. As far as marketing platforms, and, and, you know, I know, listen, you know, we have a lot of people that know, like, and trust, and we talk about, you know, whether it's Michael Mayer's Seven Levels of Communication, or whether it's 
um, you know, Brian Buffini's, you know, 100 Days to Greatness and all these other different coaching programs that really teach you how to get the most out of your sphere. You know, what else um, are you doing to help, you know, like give us some examples of what, you know, what maybe marketing and maybe what closing gifts or pre-closing gifts or, you know, something to that effect that are the top level producers are using right now. Sure. Um, let me try to unpackage that question because I had a few uh, answers to it. So, uh, well, when it comes to gifting, the biggest thing is not to be consumed. Like the biggest thing we tell people is not to give something they eat, spend, drink, it's gone or it dies. Uh, that is the biggest mistake agents make. They give them a bottle of wine, dinner out, flowers, stuff like that. They give them things that it's like a, it's a, we call them gesture gifts. They're basically given for the gesture of giving a gift. It's the same reason why there's a debate among agents. I see this in every Facebook group there is. Agents saying, do I need to give closing gifts? Why do I have to give closing gifts? Why don't they give me a gift? I'm sure you've heard that one before. And the truth is, as an industry, there is a problem with client retention. People will say, my doctor doesn't give me a gift. My lawyer doesn't give me a gift. That's true, but you're not a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> you're not thought of like a doctor and a lawyer. And the doctor and lawyers, if they had a 12% retention rate, they might start giving gifts. And so as an industry, when you're relationship based and you're and there's you're seen as a commodity often because there's so many people with a license, uh, you've got to find a way to keep your name and number in front of them and handy for them. And gifting is one simple way to do it. It's not it shouldn't be necessary. They should thank you. But that's not the culture we live in. Just like the brokerages should should beg us to come teach them educational material for their agent instead of buying lunch. Like it is what it is. It's a it's a. It is what, you know, we pay to play and it's okay. I'm not at all complaining. I'm just saying like there are cultural issues in the industry and they are what they are. So as an agent, you've got to get ahead of it instead of wondering why your clients don't beg you and gift you. You've got to decide, is it worth spending money to make sure that they call me first in five to seven years when they're going to buy again? That's the question. And so the best the, the best selling gifts like art, we do all sorts of branded anything, but the we get calls for the cheap swag to the really nice stuff. The nicest thing, in my opinion, still like to this day is Cutco. I mean, Cutco literally lasts forever. It's used in every home. It's every home has a kitchen. Everybody eats. It's top of the line in quality. There's a forever guarantee and it's made in America. So there's not a lot that like matches that. And it's not like the sexiest, coolest gift. Like if you're trying to come up with a strategy that everyone's going to be like, wow, it's an amazing idea. That's not it. The difference is like my set at home is 10 years old. My mom's set is about 40 years old. You name one gift you can give a client that's going to be in that house in 40 years is really hard. I've spent 14 years not finding other alternatives that made more sense. And so sure, you can give other things. There are You can give doormats. You can give, there are so many things, but the, the idea that those gifts have a chance of making it even five years is very naive. And the average person buys or sells in five to seven. And so that gift needs to be a symbol of the relationship in the book. In fact, you guys should all read. It's probably somewhere over here. Uh, Giftology by my friend John Rulin. In the book, he talks about how your gift should be a symbol of the relationship or an artifact of the relationship, not a gesture. It's not a, hey, I did this just to say I gave you something. It's like a reminder of the relationship you have with that person. Wait, I don't understand. I thought it was the thought that counts. <laughs> Just exactly. kidding. Exactly. It's not counting very much when 80, 83% of people can't name their realtor. 
Yeah, it's crazy, right? Eighty-three percent of people said they like the realtor enough to use him or her again. Only eight percent know that realtor's name and number. Only twelve percent know the agent's name. So that just tells us, like, the strategy's not working. And so we've spent a lot of years giving gifts that they could find your name, number, logo when they need you. They'll use them. They'll thank you like a gift. But it's a symbol of the relationship in their home. I mean, out of sight, out of mind, you know, and you really have to um, drill in, you know, and, and I always, you know, a lot of times I meet with agents and agents are like, well, listen, you know, uh, I'm, I'm calling them too much or I'm, 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 you know, texting them too much. You know, you know, what are they going to say? They're going to think I'm going to always sell. It's not about that. It's, you know, when I was we were speaking to Ricky Carruth uh, a week ago and, you know, he, he said something interesting and that, that kind of my interest was, you know, the more conversations you have, the more meaningful conversations you have, you know, the more business you have. And that's really what it's all about is that they need you. They need you because you know what? There's 1.4 million realtors in the in, in entire country. Right. And of those 33% of them don't do a single deal in a year of that 66% of people do three or less. So 66% of the entire 1.4 million uh, you know, members of the National Association of Realtors to three or less transactions a year. Like, do you want a part-time person or do you want a professional, someone who's got experience, you know, so they, they need you. I'm going to go. What's that? I'm going to maybe offend a few people with this, if that's okay with you. Further. I've been called worse. I want you to picture an incompetent agent you've done a deal with. Like, has anyone, if you were watching this, you don't need to even raise your hand or say yes. If you've ever done a deal with someone that was shockingly incompetent, dishonest, unprofessional, uh, something like that was just shocking to you as an industry colleague that they were so blank, right? Everyone can picture that. But I would offer to everyone that feels like sometimes even offended that that represents their industry. That the only reason incompetent and not trustworthy agents are getting deals every day is because you didn't do the work to get to the client first. So what I mean by that is that every time you come across somebody that you couldn't believe that this was the person trusted by some, by a client, by a consumer to handle their business, you should feel almost guilty or at fault at least somewhat, or somewhat culpable because you didn't do the job to get in their door and land that business before they could work with the shady, incompetent person. And obviously it's a little bit exaggerated, but what I'm trying to say is that it's a reminder for us, whenever I run into someone that wasn't served properly, it's a reminder that had I done my job better, had I been more omnipresent, more known, more relevant, more whatever, had I shown up better, I might've saved this person. Yeah. No, agreed. I mean, listen, uh, you know, we, all we like to do is complain, but, you know, do something about it. You know, um, you know, be in this business, be be present in this business, um, do the things that you need to do in order to for your sphere to uh, know, like and trust you. Um, do the right thing and, and continue to prepare for the opportunities that arise. Absolutely. So um, I always end uh, I always end the uh, conversation or interview with uh, two questions. Um, what's your favorite streaming series of all time and like Netflix, Hulu, whatever. And what are you currently watching? 
That is a great question. My, I'm not currently watching anything. To be honest, <laughs> I haven't watched anything since it hit my head. I don't know if it changed my brain or what, but I've watched, <laughs> I've watched two episodes of Tiger King because my brother was watching it downstairs and that's literally the only thing i watched the entire year it's almost weird i've been wondering okay did all these things stop making good shows or did i change liking good shows who knows um i would say up there near the top of the list would be uh, burn notice and blacklist i would say i haven't okay. watched them in a long time but those would be two that i probably watch all of them blue bloods another good one um let's uh since you don't really watch give me a give me one or two book recommendations that you know i know you gave is giftology is that what you said yeah that's a really good one uh who not how was one i really liked that's dr benjamin hardy wrote it with um with jay abraham that just came out uh let's see expertsecrets.com secrets traffic secrets by russell brunson that's a nice trilogy i just finished up but oh but here's something i gotta recommend it's been a little while since I've read it, but I got two books on my shelf that I wouldn't have thought of had I not looked over. This is one of the books that I recommend the most. Like I read 50 books. So so to put in perspective for anyone watching, I've read at least 50 books a year for the last seven years. So this is the, one of the books I recommend the most to anyone. It's called Rich on Paper, Poor on Life. Three Paths to More Meaning and Money by Philip McKernan. But be prepared. This is going to F with your head a little bit. Like this is not a simple like, oh, grow my business. This is like a reevaluate everything you're doing and whether or not you're even in the right business, the right industry, working on the right goals. It's going to like really be super introspective. Uh, so don't read it if you're not ready to drastically change everything and have a midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> another one that I really like to have on the shelf, I think it just got rewritten because he's not going by his real name anymore. He's going by. Or he's, he's, let me rephrase that. He is going by his real name now, not his uh, original pen name, which is this book here, Subtle Words That Sell by Ross Jeffries. If you're into like sales psychology, this was a phenomenal book. It is under Paul Ross now is the author. Um, Subtle Words That Sell. It talks just a lot about the wording and the word, like wordsmithing and what like the language you use with yourself and that type of thing. Really good one. If you're just looking for an interesting read. Agents, I can't, I can't stress this one enough this is by my good friend curtis lucy it's called appreciation marketing how to achieve greatness through gratitude it is a very simple read but it is so often the most overlooked uh asset if you will or the most overlooked skill set uh in the real estate business that would help you grow your network much faster if you had a lot more people that really felt appreciated know like and trust and it also talks about um the something five deadly creatures to avoid or six deadly creatures it talks about not being certain types of people that people don't like um that's another good you talked about seven levels of communication and then i'll do one more from my shelf since these are all here on the shelf um for those this is this is like a relationship emotional that other thing but my coach anil gupta is phenomenal for anyone if this if you're just looking for business stuff like you can ignore this completely but if you're looking for something that can help you with uh any issues you're dealing with personally relationally uh anything like that or just like clarity on what you want to do next with your life he has this book called immediate happiness phenomenal phenomenally written book but those would be a couple of my favorite i mean i could do this all day so you, you don't want me to keep me going um <laughs> those are a couple bucks though look, look what i started yeah we started a whole new show <laughs> that's awesome Aaron. Oh, you know I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta show one more is that okay yeah. <laughs>
I'm going to show you all one you probably don't know. This is a book you guys should grab. It's called Find Your Yellow Tux by Jesse Cole. How to be successful at standing out. Here's why you may want to. He is the founder, the owner and the founder of the Savannah Bananas baseball team. They are a double minor league baseball team, if I'm not mistaken, that has a several-year waiting list to get tickets to their games. They sell out every single game for years on end, and they do some of the most ridiculously amazing things you could ever see from a semi-professional sports franchise. Like they have the dancing, the, the Savannah Nanas, which is a grandmother dance squad. They have a children's band. They have, I mean, they have like all sorts of ridiculousness that makes it like almost like a circus on a baseball field. And he talks about his approach to like serving people in a unique way and making them special. And honestly, it's like, it's just one of those things that you're not going to find in another book and you're probably not going to get recommended elsewhere and you'll probably really enjoy. That's awesome. Aaron, you're, you're the best. I appreciate it. And thanks for, you know, giving tons of value to our uh, viewers and agents, brokers and, and like. Um, and uh, if you want to um, reach out to Aaron uh, to say hello, uh, he's uh, he's on Facebook, Instagram, you know, all, all the platforms. So maybe yeah, he's even yeah. on Clubhouse right now. Not um, yet. Use this iPad, you know. One of these days, one of these days, I'll figure this thing out, and uh, <laughs> you'll get me. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, I really, really appreciate it. if you are uh, interested in uh, branding gifts and stuff like that. Uh, Aaron um, uh, does that as well. So uh, thank you very much, Aaron, for coming on. Remember, breakfast with the broker every Tuesday morning at nine a.m. Next week we have a diamond um, a award winner that I want to announce um, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. A very top level producer um, did 40 million uh, last year. And uh, we're going to talk to him and uh, what he does uh, going forward to help agents um, as well as helping consumers. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much, Aaron. Take care. Roll Tide Roll.